Today's program has been brought to you by the Brooklyn Slate Company, a manufacturer of slate cheese boards, coasters, and other fine items. For more information, visit www.brooklynslate.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening and welcome to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. My name is Chris Kuzmi. I'm the co-host. Uh, Mary will not be joining us tonight. She's off on a business expedition. Um, but I'm joined in the studio by my good friends, Nick Ladd. Hello. How you doing, Nick Ladd? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Chris? <laughs> Fantastic. And Chris Pagnata. What's up? From the New York City Home Brewers Guild. We are a podcast on all things fermentable and air every Monday night at 7 p.m., uh, but you can also catch us archived on iTunes and also at heritageradionetwork.org. Uh, before we dive into today's show, into today's show, there are a couple of announcements I want to make. Uh, we are hosting, Mary and I are hosting a chocolate fermentation competition called Choctoberfest uh, on October 26th. And uh, if you'd like to join, find out more information about that on fermentaboutit.com. But also, uh, the New York City Home Brewers Guild, my constituents here, we are celebrating our 25th year anniversary as a guild and a homebrew club in New York City. We'll be joined by Gary Oliver, uh, who is one of the founding members, on November 2nd, having a giant homebrew party, kind of functioning like club night uh, from the NHC, but for local New York City clubs, it's going to be awesome. Uh, check w- uh, sorry, nychomebrew.com for more information. Uh, more information will be posted soon on that. And today's subject is pumpkin. Pumpkin beer. We're going to talk all things pumpkin, and we have on the phone right now uh, our good friend Dick Cantwell of Elysian Brewing. Dick, are you on the line? Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. I'm very, very, very excited to have you with us today. Um, it is three days, 20 hours, 57 minutes, and 55 seconds until the ninth annual Great Pumpkin Beer Festival. What is the Great Pumpkin Beer Festival? Yeah, and we're going to need every minute of that to get it ready in time. <laughs> I bet. Uh, it's a it's a pumpkin beer festival that we started doing, well, obviously, nine years ago. Uh, we, the first year we did it, we poured six different pumpkin beers of ours, which we thought was hilarious and just not to be outdone, and invited six of our local friends and cajoled them into brewing some pumpkin beers, and we had a dozen beers at our first festival. Uh, it's gotten bigger every year. We had it at our Capitol Hill pub location for the first first five or six years, and we had to move it to the parking lot of our production facility, because now we get... Oh, I think we'll have about 4,000 people there on Saturday and probably a little bit less than that on Friday and Sunday. Uh, but now we're pouring, I think this year we're scheduled to pour 83 different pumpkin beers, 22 of which we had a hand in. Wow. So you, that's why I'm very excited to have you on today to talk about pumpkin beers and brewing of them. I, had the, uh, I was fortunate enough to see, your, to see your talk at the CBC a couple years back. Uh, was that Chicago when you did a pumpkin uh, seminar? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I've, I've, I've given a bunch of different talks about pumpkin beers. I don't think I've ever given a, a, an entirely pumpkin talk. I've talked about brewing with unusual ingredients, and pumpkin, of course, figures into that. Right. But uh, anyway, yeah. So you, 
What led you to the pumpkin thing with all the unusual ingredients? You do a lot of unusual ingredients. Uh, actually, Nick Ladd used to live a couple blocks away from your pub out there, right? Hi, Dick. I, I, yeah, I used to live on Capitol Hill, probably you know half a mile from your uh, pub there. It's great. Uh-huh. You know, awesome great. place. Yeah. Spent many an evening uh, drinking hoppy beers and pumpkin beers and everything yeah. in between. But um, One of the reasons I invited uh, Nick and Chris to join me today, at 5.08, I started a line where I'm doing collaborations with with different homebrew clubs in the area, and we're brewing and 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 doing a, on a different each month. We're, we're featuring a different homebrew club, and uh, last the last to brew was with them, and we did a pumpkin beer. Uh, we did a pumpkin saison, and uh, to you, what is what makes a pumpkin beer? Well, I do think it's a very important. Well, first of all, it might sound obvious, but it's got a pumpkin in it to yep. begin with. You know, there are a surprising number of uh, very highly successful and you know sales worthy so-called pumpkin beers that don't have any pumpkin at all in them. Some of the biggest pumpkin brands, in fact, don't. Uh, they just spice it and call it good because it sort of alludes to pumpkin. But I'll set that aside for the moment. Um, I do think, you know, any beer that boasts having an, a particular ingredient needs to show that ingredient. You can't just hide it away and have it be sort of just a conceptual touch. I think you have to pick it up. And pumpkin's a bit of a challenge there because pumpkin doesn't have a lot of flavor. It's more of a mouthfeel thing. It's a little bit of astringency. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it, it's just the way it feels, and I think that's one reason that when people cook with pumpkin, it's very often spice. You know, it makes its way into cuisines that, have, that use a lot of spices, Indian food, Mexican food. And, you know, when, when people make pie, of course, they spice it. Most pumpkin beers do have some kind of spice, and I think it's, you know, it, that's often viewed as necessary because it mitigates some of that quality of the pumpkin, that astringency. Um, we don't actually spice all of ours, but I do think uh, I try to have some other flavoring ingredient in there. Right? By that, I mean maybe it'll be a, a wild yeast or you know some sort of sourness that's imparted with it that will balance with the pumpkin in that way. Um, we've made German-style pumpkin hefeweizens, although you know that's, that's, that's the dichotomy right there. You would never see pumpkin in any German-style anything in Germany, of course. But... You know, in that case, the sort of banana and clove with the yeast provides the counterpoint to the pumpkin. So I think it has to has to show some pumpkin in its, in its feel and flavor, uh, and then because it has that, it invites certain treatments. Uh, sometimes it's done just straight up uh, pumpkin without spices, like the pumpkin malt liquor we did with uh, uh, called PK forty seven PK forty seven, which is a riff on our regular malt liquor, which we brew rarely. AK forty seven. Nice. But in that case, the mitigating factor was the yellow number six food coloring I used to turn it, you know, bright orange. Yeah. So I don't know. It's an interesting game. We manage to come up with new things every year, and there are some we bring back every year. And at this point, we've got a stable, probably of thirty five different pumpkin beers that we've brewed over the years. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, going back to the color thing, have you ever tried any other? things for color to, to allude to the pumpkin color? Well, not really. I mean, most pumpkin beer is kind of pumpkin colored, you know, just because it's evocative that way. Um, you know, whenever I use any unusual ingredient that is likely to impart color, I'll generally back off on the colored malt so that it can come forward if it, if it has a mind to. Um, you know, many things that you use don't really give a whole lot of color. I got, I, I posed, I, the way I lit on that yellow number six was I've did a posting in the BA forum asking for suggestions about coloration, you know, and I started it with something like, like many of you, I'm contemplating brewing my pumpkin malt liquor now, 
and I'd like a little help. I'm coming up with something to color it. I guess an suggestion. Uh, you know, annatto, saffron. Uh, oh, I forget what else. But then I got an offline response from somebody who suggested that I use food coloring. And, you know, that was the funniest one. Because I, I said I wanted it to look like Orange Crush. Right. I mean, that's kind of – we actually wanted the same thing with our Saison, and, and uh, our base grains were very, very pale. And I suggested we try carrots. Have you ever brewed with carrots? No, I haven't, but somebody suggested that too. Yeah. We ended up – so I, I got these raw organic carrots, and I tasted them. The idea was we were going to juice it and throw it in after primary fermentation to get to make sure the color is there and maybe even get it to, to – uh, maybe some of that carrot sweetness – to kind of dance with the pumpkin um but the carrots were too good they tasted like dirt i mean they were awesome carrots they were like really <laughs> but but there were nothing i wanted to add to this beer so i ended up uh uh actually cooking them roasting them down and uh, kind of caramelizing them a bit and it brought a yellow color but um that wasn't probably nothing like the food coloring did it help the flavor that sounds pretty interesting yes actually i, I think so i mean the, the guys to the right and left from me they, or, uh, chris and chris and nick haven't tasted it yet i brought it with me we haven't carved it yet and uh, we haven't decided whether to add spices yet kind of based on our our uh, our show tonight we'll figure out what we want to do there and what we can learn from you <laughs> <laughs> well sure uh probably the silliest beer we've got pouring this year since we're talking about other vegetables is our great gherkin pumpkin ale, which is a, a, a cucumber pumpkin ale with dill. <laughs> and it tastes, it tastes like a pickle. A pickled pumpkin. Peter Piper pecked a pickled, pickled pumpkin, pumpkins? Yeah, it, it was a beer we brewed several years ago, and I thought we'd never do it again, but the very first person who came in the following year asked where it was, and when were we, we, we going to brew it again, so we brought it back this year. Wow. What are some of the other 22 that you have? Well, we've got... One? Fifteen just straight up of our own, and seven of them are colla- seven others are collaborative beers that we did with people. Uh, we've got the, t- the two collaborative beers that I did with Twenty First Amendment this year, uh, which are really going to are really delicious. They're 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 both, they're both called He Said. One is a Belgian style triple with pumpkin uh, galangal and tarragon, and the other one is a Baltic porter with pumpkin, cinnamon, and caraway. Oh wow! Um, we've also got. Uh, let's see. Well, I mean, we have some of our standards, like the, the Hansel and Gretel Ginger Pumpkin Pilsner and the Dark the Moon Pumpkin Stout that has just cinnamon. We've got a couple of sours. Uh, our regular uh, sort of more complex sour beer is called Mr. Yuck, after that poison <laughs> control guy who's sticking his tongue out. Awesome. Uh, and then the, we have a 100% Britannomyces Pumpkin Beer that's called Headless Horsey. Um, <laughs> we've got the Curvatinus Pumpkin Dunkel Hefeweizen Bach. Um, let's see, what else? Dunkel oh, we did, a, uh, we did a, a coffee, yeah, pumpkin Dunkel Hefeweizen box. I've got to say that a couple of times. <laughs> nice. nice. We've, we've got Punkachino coffee pumpkin ale, and that's actually the beer that we're going to be putting in the, the hollowed-out pumpkins that we, you know, condition beer in every year. Yes. Uh, and then tap partway through the ceremonies at the Pumpkin Fest. And i got to tell you about the pumpkin way off, but right now I'm running through the array. Uh Oh, we, we, you were talking about saison. We we also have a, a pumpkin saison with lavender nice. in it. Uh, that's a, that's also a comeback from a few years ago. Is that the only spice that, that you we use? did a plum plum pumpkin pumpkin, pumpkin ale called Plumpkin? <laughs> uh, and then we've got our flagship pumpkin beer, of course, Night Owl, that started the whole thing. And we've got uh, another Mexican themed one called Calatrava that's got habanero and vanilla in it, and it aged on epizote. What is epizote? Epizote is a Mexican, uh, it's an herb that's, con- that's 
it's used in Mexican cooking. If you look at, you know, sort of a more authentic Mexican cookbook like Rick Bayless or something like that, mm-hmm. the recipes will often call for epizote. It's not always easy to get. I've, I've, found, I've found it dried in some of the Latin markets here in Seattle. But uh, we got this fresh from the, you know, sort of our local celebrity, one of our local celebrity chefs out here, Tom Douglas, has a farm near Prosser, Washington, and we got 100% of, the, of this year's epizote production to put into this beer. It's kind of oregano-like, a little okay. bit that way, kind of uh, resinous and fragrant. Mm-hmm. That sounds a lot of fun, like a lot of fun. And the other beers that are coming, so you have 82 in total. How many different breweries are represented this year? Uh, I think it's about 70. Because we do get multiple beers from some places. We're getting we, we're going to have five beers from Cambridge Brewing Company because they have a festival as well, and we yeah. do a lot of swapping back and forth with them, with Will. Um, and then, uh, and then we've got a couple from Iron Hill. They also do a festival. And then there are people who just sort of, you know, take on the challenge themselves and send us whatever. Yep, yep, yep. I wanted to do that uh, with with the local home brewers last year and do that this in, in October. And, and I tried to again to do it this year, but I've, all these other things that I've kind of got found myself involved in. But I'd love to do a pumpkin festival here in particular, and I'd like to get in this in the, into it in the next segment about just what to do and how to um, how to condition and serve beers through a pumpkin or your method sure. of doing it. Um, we're going to take a really quick break, and we'll be back in a minute on Ferment About It. Brooklyn Slate Company is a collaborative effort from Brooklyn graphic designer Sean Tice and Parsons graduate student Christy Hedeka. After visiting Christy's family slate quarry in upstate New York in the spring of 2009, the two grabbed a few pieces for use as all-purpose boards back home in Brooklyn. They found a number of purposes for the slate and began gifting pieces to friends. The response was so overwhelmingly positive that the two struck out to produce a line of slate products. 
They now make regular trips to the family quarry in upstate New York to handpick their favorite pieces of black and red slate. Some of the slate is sourced from the quarry graveyard, a collection of odd-shaped pieces that were ultimately destined to be ground for use as road cover or baseball diamonds. They then transport the pieces to their studio in Red Hook, Brooklyn, where they do additional cutting and clean the stone to be food slate. Every single piece of packaging that comes with their products, from the envelope to the burlap bag, can be repurposed for other uses. The end result is a product completely unique in cut, shape, color, and overall presentation. For more information and to order, visit brooklynslate.com. Welcome back to Foment About, about it. it on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm here in the studio with my friends from the New York City Home Brewers Guild, Chris Pagnata and Nick Ladd, and I'm on the phone with Dick Cantwell of Legion Brewing Company. Thanks again, Dick, for joining us. Uh, in, the, in the first session, we were talking, uh, a, we were talking all pumpkin beers, and uh, Nick and Chris made a beer with me at 508, and we're, I just poured them a taste for the very first time of, of the beer. It's fermented out. It is not, we have not conditioned it, or we have not... Uh, carbonated it yet um it is a nice saison the, the pumpkin has, has, has come out what are your first impressions on this beer i think it came out really nicely i we were, as we were talking before i'm a little hesitant to say that it's like at a super amount of pumpkin and it's right i'm a little bit nervous that it's going to be on the board at 508 people are going to see oh they've got a pumpkin beer and they're going to order it and expect the typical cinnamon nutmeg right. clove allspice kind of thing yeah, I, mean, I, I i definitely get like spice but i get yeast spice i don't get right. you know cinnamon you know that kind of typical pie spice so dick we're looking to emote some pumpkin in this do you have any recommendations you're looking to watch some pumpkin to in emote it? pumpkin to emote just pumpkin and <laughs> <laughs> so you've got no spice in it yet right? no and so we're we so i like to do a lot so that was another question i was gonna have for you how do you deal with most of your spices do you do last minute of the boil uh, i've been doing a lot of tinctures at the end and kind of spicing after the fact for for a lot of control kind of in the way that i do as or i have done with success as a home brewer yeah we've kind of done it always i mean we usually do put some do some addition in the whirlpool and sometimes we need to jazz it up a little bit, like our Dark in the Moon Pumpkin Stout has just cinnamon. So some of that goes into the Whirlpool, and then we just sort of brighten it up by adding some just directly to, to the fermenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually after fermentation is concluded, we use this really good Vietnamese cinnamon that's very fiery and tasty. Um, but, I, I, you, yeah, you, you pretty much respond. I mean, uh, that, what you were saying about the Saison yeast, supplying some of the spiciness. That's exactly what, what I would do with something like that. We've got this saison this year with, with some lavender. So you might not need it. One thing I also like to do sometimes is uh, when I'm coming out with something new, you know, like these, these 21st Amendment beers we did, we've got, you know, tarragon and galangal. So that the galangal is a play on ginger, you know, because it's a Thai ginger. So it's sort of expectable that it's got a little twist to it. And yeah. then the the Baltic Porter with the cinnamon caraway. Obviously, cinnamon is very familiar in pumpkin-type things, but the caraway is not. So I like to sort of escort something unexpected with something that people are familiar with. Right. You know, not in, in that kind of spicing. I know one thing I like this year is uh, New Belgium came out with a new pumpkin beer called Pump Kick, and it's got, it's, it echoes some of the collaborative pumpkin beer that, that I did with New Belgium a couple of years ago. It has cranberry like that one did. That was a sour beer. This one isn't sour, but it's tart with the cranberry, and it's got it's got some regular sort of pumpkin pie spice things in it, like allspice and clove, but it's also got a lemongrass. Uh-huh. So once again, you know, the unfamiliar is escorted by the familiar, 
And I think it makes for a really interesting counterpoint. You get people sort of standing there wondering what they're tasting and, and picking it apart that way. I, I love that. Yeah, like they're holding hands and being escorted in. It's, it's really yeah. nice. <laughs> um, and then to that regard, so how do you condition a pumpkin? So it's pumpkin season out here. We're just getting pumpkins into the markets. How do you condition a pumpkin to serve it well, to serve a beer through it? Well, we've been doing this since the very first pumpkin fest that we did. It was just an idea I had about using uh, using a pumpkin as though it were, you know, like a keg or a firkin. Mm-hmm. And we, we did a secondary fermentation in the pumpkin. Um, and what we would do is take unfermented beer, prime it, spice it. You know, we would usually drive some cinnamon sticks into the inside of the pumpkin. And we'd seal it up with wax. Uh, and then, you know, a couple of days later, after it had its chance to condition, we would tap it and pour it. Well, a pumpkin is a porous membrane, so carbonation is an issue. It's really hard to keep any carbonation in a pumpkin-conditioned beer. And so we um, we try to do it really young, so that ideally it, you know, maybe it got a little bit of uh, spritz still going with the, with the secondary fermentation going. And, you know, we, we'll get a few bubbles in there, not too much. Uh, but I would say that the key thing that we do when we do these pumpkin beers in the pumpkin is that we burn the inside. I think that was the, the biggest step forward we took to having the beer really taste good. We were talking before about the astringency right. that pumpkin just naturally has. And so I got the idea to use a torch and burn the inside like the inside of a barrel to put a good strong char on it. And what that does is it cooks the pumpkin a little bit so it tastes better. You know, it caramelizes some of the sugars that are in the pumpkin. It, and it, it, it also makes, a, you know, sort of a, a slick inner surface that I think maybe is a little more resistant to the pumpkin soaking through, though we've never really had that problem. And it just gives a, a, a bit of a burnt flavor to it, too. So I think that's the most important thing. We always we always seal it up with beeswax, and I think the beeswax is important as well, because we used paraffin the first couple of years, and paraffin cracks. So as the pumpkin is conditioning, as it's, as it's uh, you know, just sort of naturally changing its shape a bit, because, of course, what it wants to do is decompose at that point, but... So the, the lid would settle in and crack the wax, but with beeswax, it's much more resilient, you know, because it's got all that, you know, sort of honey material and, right. you know, royal jelly and bee legs and stuff that, that keeps it from uh, keeps it from being very brittle. So that's key. And you, then we... Uh, you, do you we seal drill. it with the beeswax or just you, you coat the entire thing with the beeswax? Not the whole thing, but we seal up the, when we put the lid back right. on, right. we seal it seal it up with that. Although, you know, we're fairly liberal with the beeswax. Gotcha. It looks pretty neat, dripping <laughs> down all, all over the outside. And then, of course, every year we put the requisite number of candles on the pumpkin. This year it'll have nine candles. Nice. 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 And, and also, uh, oh, I had, how many days would you recommend conditioning it, and what temperature? I think ideally um, a day and a half to two days once it's put in there and primed, just to try to retain some of that spritz. You don't want it to get too old. Yeah. Um, and we condition it just at ambient temperature, and then the day before we're going to tap it, we put it in the in the cold room yeah. just to, to put a little bit of a chill on it. This year, for the first time, we got our pumpkins. We, we picked out our pumpkins yesterday at a big pumpkin way off <laughs> about an hour from Seattle. Uh, we are going to have uh, three pumpkins that average about 750 pounds each uh, full of beer that we're going to be <laughs> tapping this weekend. And they're, they're just gorgeous. One of them is bright white. One of them has this sort of pinky blush over it, but it was really fun to go out there and, and watch people get really psyched about whose pumpkin was going to get, not just win the competition, but get filled with beer. We didn't get the winner. That's going on display. They totally put that out to stud. But we, we got we got six pumpkins that were uh, 
pretty darn big. That is that's awesome. So, and then circling back to pumpkin beer should have pumpkin. What kind of pumpkins do you use, or do you do you substitute out with uh, other other squash? In our case, we we substituted we supplemented ours with uh, various squashes. Yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, I think it's really interesting when people fool around with different varieties. We, you know, we we make so much pumpkin beer. I mean, for our size, I mean, you know, we make probably thirty five hundred to four thousand barrels of pumpkin beer every year. This year, we bought thirty eight thousand pounds of pumpkin. <laughs> wow! At that, at that size, we can't uh, you know just do the roasting and all that stuff. That's and we would spend our whole lives doing that. And and also these days, if you have a, a production level pumpkin beer, you've got to. I mean, sad to say, but you've got to have samples to, to share with people in stores and stuff by July. Right. So obviously, you're using previous year's harvest of pumpkin. And we, but we do use really good pumpkin. I, I, I contract every year with an organic farm down in uh, down in Oregon, and we get we get thirty pound buckets of uh, blanched, pureed, frozen pumpkin that are, is pretty easy to work with. And it's just, usually we use a variety called Golden Delicious. We've tried a couple of other varieties that they have, but that's the one I like the most. Now it, it seems like a lot. There's a lot of debate about where to put the pumpkin. People put it in the mash, the boil. Some people put it in the secondary fermenters. I I thought I read online that maybe you put it, you know, in three different uh, steps along the process. We do, we do. We put we put some in the mash uh, for our regular pumpkin beer. The proportions are let's see, like two to one. Will for a twenty barrel batch, we would put sixty pounds of pumpkin in the mash, and we would put sixty more pounds in the boil to get some caramelization action. And then we would put another 30 in the fermenter, you know, thinned out with wort so that it doesn't uh, lower the gravity too much. And then that ferments out. And you don't see any residual pumpkin when fermentation is done. It loves to ferment. That's awesome. So you're actually seeing uh, resi- uh, extract available and it's bumping up the alcohol percentage. And... Well, it, you know, I'm not sure that it does. It's, it's, it's mainly because pumpkin has so much water in it. Um, you know, so when you use pumpkin in a beer, it's going to lower your starting gravity, not raise it. So it, it's going to contribute some sugars, but it's also going to contribute some water. So you have to keep in mind if you're, if you're trying to hit a target gravity that the pumpkin itself is going gonna, is gonna to lower that. And that's actually one fact that caused us to have our first pumpkin fest. I was trying to brew a batch of our imperial, uh, imperial pumpkin ale. We brewed the first imperial pumpkin ale anywhere. And... Uh, I didn't hit my gravity because the pumpkin, I'd kind of forgotten to take the pumpkin into account. So right there I had two beers, and I knew I was going to have to brew another one, so that was three. And then with three more, we had our six, and we were off to the races with the fat. <laughs> That's an awesome start. That's great. Um, uh, spices, you said you use them in the, in the end, you use them in the beginning, but the tinctures, or in the, in the end, you said sometimes you just throw them... It, Throw them just straight into the uh, secondary or the secondary fermenter after fermentation. Do you ever make tinctures or teas and things? With um, that? I mean, you do a lot I, of spice work I, with that adhesion, and uh, you must yeah. go through a lot of different things. Yeah, I have. I have. I guess I most often just throw it in. I mean, that's not counting things like uh, you know the coffee infusions that we've done in separate tanks and then and then pumped in uh, spice mixtures like peppers. You know, like last year we made a. Uh, actually, the last two years, we made another Mexican-themed one called Coche de Medianoche that had five different kinds of chilies in it. Uh, so we we, in, we did do infusions with those, you know, steep them and, and combine them with hot water so that we could deal with them more easily and try to introduce them more uniformly rather than just throwing in the, the vast quantities of powder that would probably just clump. So I think that is advisable to at least 
at least put them in water. Right. Do you have, ever have any issues with the, with the water uh, uh, with any dissolved oxygen or, or introducing that late well, in stage? Yeah, that, that's certainly a consideration, both dissolved oxygen and the possibility of contamination. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, that is a factor. We've, te- we've tested some of our spices of the five main ones that we use. All spice is really the one that's sort of the, the, more, the more dangerous one, because if you think about it, you know, it's, more, it's a berry. It's less dried than other stuff. So uh, that, that actually is something that we usually put in on the hot side because we have gotten some bacteria readings from it, so mm-hmm. we try to be careful of that. Uh, but you're right, you have to be careful of that. Uh, the dissolved oxygen in water is something. We, at, our, at our production brewery, we can, we can de-aerate water, so that's not a problem, but it is something that you have to keep in mind. Yeah. Well, we're almost out of time. Dick, thank you so much for joining us, man. This is, this is awesome. Uh, hey, can I say one more thing? I'm going to be in New York yeah? uh, the week after GABF, and one thing we're going to be doing is we're going to do this sort of pumpkin patch thing. There are going to be clusters of bars around the city. I think two two clusters in Brooklyn. I think there's a Park Slope one and a and a and a Williamsburg one, and three in Manhattan and one in Queens. We're going to have clusters of six bars, each of which is going to be pouring a different pumpkin beer, and then there's going to be a central bar in each cluster uh, that's going to have like six of them pouring. That's so it's going to be an opportunity to taste some of our beers and have some fun. It's sort of a scavenger hunt kind of thing. That's awesome. So Where's inf- more information on that? Um, we'll... um, let's see. I, I will. I'll have to get that. It'll definitely be on our website, illusionbrewing.com. Okay. Uh, we'll have more information as that gets closer. And I'll announce it next week, and I'll keep everybody abreast for, for any listeners that are here in New York. And if you're on the West Coast, you got three days, twenty hours, thirty minutes, fifty-seven seconds, fifty-five now. Till the festival, and that's really exciting. Get your tickets at legionbrewing.com. Dick, thank you. We'll see you in New York, man. I'm excited to see you out here. And I'm excited yeah, to share this beer with you. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to, to Foment About It. HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.